0: So, I have some pretty exciting news to share. Megan the Horror Babe is partnering up with horror Max, and I want you guys to join me on my adventure as I watch
1: really campy, cheesy, slasher horror movies. I'll be watching tons of scary movies and reviewing them, and you guys can follow along. So if you use the code HorrorBabe, you'll get a free month on me. I promise
2: I won't let you down. Curator of horror, Chance Forshee here, to tell you about Ghost Eaters.
3: Hey everybody, my name is Clay McLeod Chapman, and I am the author of Ghost Eaters. Ghost Eaters is all about a haunted drug. Pop a pill, see the dead, but once you start seeing the dead, the dead can see you. That is Ghost Eaters, and it's on shelves
4: September 20th from Quirk Books
2: want to get haunted.
5: (laughs) An agency that sends social workers into the homes of grieving families to impersonate dead loved ones. The kind old woman who saved a teenager's life, but who now finds herself haunted by the weight of a cheated suicide. And the daughter of a candlestick maker as she tries to survive a painful existence after her father's execution for making human chandeliers of drunken cowboys. These stories and more, ranging from supernatural to the frighteningly domestic, splatterpunk to the weird and cosmic, stain the pages of Cut to Care, a collection of little hurts by Aaron Drys. These are stories about caring too much in a world that doesn't always care for you back. Also featuring an exclusive introduction by writer director Mick Garris, creator of Masters of Horror. Cut to Care by Aaron Drys. A collection of little hurts. Out now.
3: The Curator
2: will see you now. Are you looking for conversations with some of the hottest names in horror today? Like Eric LaRocca, Hayley Piper, Clay McLeod Chapman, Laurel Hightower, Jamie Flanagan, and Allie Wilkes? Along with indie horror superstars like Brianna
4: Morgan and Joe Coach? Then you should tune in to Terrifying Tones of Terror.
3: With your host, the Curator of Horror, Chance Forshee wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right, Brandon, you're not a co-host in this. Um, I got three. I'm aware. Yep. I'm not done talking, sir. Please shut the fuck up
3: while I tell you stuff. See, this is why <laughs> no gaming won't come on.
4: to shut the fuck up brennan (laughs) start there start the show there
2: welcome to deadhead space motherfuckers this is your only host for the night patrick r mcdonough unfortunately brennan passed away
3: you didn't have ice cream again did you no we talked about this
2: (laughs) no ice cream before bed yeah Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your only host, Patrick R. McDonough, because Brennan has in the guest seat. And I am joined by my three guest hosts. I'll get to you, Brennan, in a second. My three guest hosts, Erica Robin. Say hi. Hello. And do you want to go by Andrew? Do you want to go by Andrew Bookdad? Or what would, you, what would you like to be called, sir? Andrew Robert is cool with me. Okay. Uh, Andrew Robert, he is the uh, founder of Darklit and uh we'll get into that later and uh welcome andrew say hi man hey how's it going thanks for having me yes sir and of course tyler jones say hello tyler hello today we're joined by the author of noose that is a western uh we'll go into what that is try to avoid spoilers um
3: brennan lefaro say hello brennan hello it is it is truly an honor to be on the show
2: I can't tell if you're joking but moving yeah, on was uh, sincere that was totally sincere <laughs> you lunatic so let's just jump ahead man it's with dark Lip, but it went through a few stages what point do you want to start talking about like with this book pre-publishing
3: Oh, wow. Boy, I feel like the questions are usually a little more specific, but that's probably when you have me as a co-host. So let's, you know, let's start at Genesis. Uh, I talked a little bit about this lately in a uh, article that uh, Andrew was kind enough to send out in the Darklit newsletter, but this whole thing came around. um, I, I can put a little credit on uh, Death's Head Press, their line of splatter westerns, which had been so much fun to read. There's a lot of really good ones in that series. And I was kind of looking to start something new, and I figured, why don't I give that a try, see what I can come up with. And I wrote the first chapter, um, which people who read it, you'll, you'll see the first chapter takes place in 1872, and then once chapter two kicks in, we get a 15-year time jump but I wrote that chapter and I just kind of sat with it for like maybe four or five months. And then I fired the rest of the book out in about three or four weeks. And it was one of the, I don't want to say an easy experience. I have yet to write a book that was an easy experience, but the words just kept coming. The story kept coming and there was minimal. uh, What the hell am I doing isms? Mm -hmm. So I finished that. Uh, Pat, you were kind enough to give it an early read, as was Erica. You you guys both provided some really, really excellent feedback. We tightened the living hell out of it. Uh, And then it went to Silver Shamrock, and it was bought by them about two weeks before uh, they had to close their doors. And I had at the suggestion of both uh, Mr. Jones here, not of Counting Crows fame, uh, and Philip Fricosti looked into dark lit press. They had both told me that, you know, this is, this is a publisher that is just starting to get some things together. And what impressed both of them uh, was the enthusiasm that Andrew has for any project that he's going to put his stamp on. And, I really feel like that's something that you can't overvalue in indie publishing period, you know, horror, whatever, indie publishing, you can't put a price tag on somebody who is willing to put your, your work out in the world and believes in it with such ferocity. Um, I have only, you know, I'll probably go on at length. Even even if he wasn't here, I would go on at length, but I have only the best things to say about working with Dark Lit. And I'm very, very pleased. Uh that news ended up there and what Andrew has done with it.
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, Andrew, jump in, man. Tell tell us about just start telling us about your publishing house and or your press. And uh, I actually don't know if those are synonyms, synonyms. I can't speak, but um <laughs> Andrew, tell us about that and where that leads us with Noose.
1: Right. So, uh, you know, first of all, I was extremely fortunate to get Noose in my hands. Uh, you know, Brandon, you you're, you understate how uh, how great this book really is, and and so far the reviews are the exact same thing. Everybody, the people that haven't quite got it on reviews yet, I, I, I put out something with your name on it and instantly I'm getting people saying exactly the same thing. I felt, you know, the story was super immersive, um, just action packed, but also you know, bleak and, and it, it was everything a western should be right. So there's the splatter Westerns. This book definitely, I think, in with, uh, you know, a, a splattered, uh, Western type thing. Theme. This was something on its own. This is, um, you know, it still is horror. It's dark fiction, but, uh, you know, like I said, everything a Western should be. So, I was again. I'm very fortunate to, you know, to have Brandon on my side as well as you know, anybody else who's been trusting me with their work. We've got some exciting stuff uh, on the go. Of course, we've we've announced a book with him, um, Same with Ross Jeffrey and uh, Scott Moses. Scott Moses, like him and I are on the move, man. Like that book is coming out soon, and it's going to be great. So. Uh, excited for that. And uh, yeah, I always got stuff I'm working on. It's hard to just talk about it forever, but there's lots of on the
2: move. I'd like to, about it might have been three years now, man. I, I can't keep up. Two or three years ago, you were uh, you and I have talked for that long. And I, I've told you many times, like, that's what, what you're doing with uh, what your first project was. I'm, I'm like, I'm envious of that. Uh, that's what I wanted to do with. Deadhead reviews at the time when that was a review platform, and um, you just keep climbing up, and it's awesome. I love seeing your evolution. Um, for those that don't know, what can you tell us about Darklit Press?
1: Well, uh, you know, I have clear vision for what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I'm actually talking a lot about this in a in an interview I'm doing right now with, with uh, Ortree. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, yeah the vision I've always had is I've always wanted to do what I can to help the authors. Uh, and of course, anybody in horror, that's my passion, right? I love the genre, but I i have kind of, you know, found my, uh, I don't want to say I calling found my passion in marketing. Yeah? So I had an education in it. It wasn't exactly what I was going to school for, but you know, I slowly kind of trickled into that. And then I've been applying some of the things that I've learned in school, to, you know, to the press and, and building up to getting to, to where it is now and where we're headed. So um, started with a newsletter, kind of grew out of the newsletter, uh, you know, it was just the amount of tint. So we had to get a blog to support the newsletter. The blog did really, really well. Um, but I just didn't feel like Horror Oasis blog. Um, was as good you know, it was offering enough value to authors, right It really wasn't. There was a lot of foot traffic coming in, and uh, it was a good source, you know, a good outlet for a lot of the authors who wanted to promote their work. That's great, but it, you know it, it just wasn't converting. they weren't converting customers. So people are coming in taking a look at the you know the, the blogs. you know, I just there wasn't a lot of value there so for me to put all my effort into that blog and, and you know, take that away from the authors after I got Dark Lake it just didn't make a lot of sense. So now I've got a lot more time for my authors to help them and support them, which, you know, Brendan will say, I'm basically around 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> very always exactly. around the, like, <laughs> You know, just there to talk, give insights. You know, if there's something that you want to do as an author, that's what I'm here for. Um, your work speaks for itself. Uh, you know, I'm just here to find the right audience, right? So, and I, I you know, I think I do my best. <laughs> so that's that's where things are headed right now. I'm doing everything I can to help help authors find their audience, and uh, a big focus is that of that is on marginalized authors as well. So.
2: It's uh, I'll shut the hell up after this comment, then Tyler jump in, and then Eric, if you want, um. And Brennan but uh it's surprising i've only got work up until this year in about six anthologies it's surprising at least to me how many people at least don't come off like they give a fuck about their authors and the, and what i specifically mean is one thing that i've noticed is in my experience the editors some of them didn't have them um which Perplex me. Um, some publishers, for whatever reason, don't take feedback or enthusiasm. Where it just it, it's like things are missing to the point where it's like, why the fuck did I even? Did I even have? I don't care if it's a check mark on a published story. It just it's not. It feels like I got uh, basically stepped in an oil spill, and now my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tyler, this is my weird segue to you to say, how did you hear about Andrew's press and uh, why were you so gung-ho about it?
4: Yeah, man, that was the most graceless segue I've ever <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've known Andrew for a couple years now. And, uh, yeah, have, have been with him, cheered him on he's cheered me on throughout his ende- endeavors and it's been pretty obvious from day one that the guy's got vision and passion to spare and that's um that's not easy to find or as easy as you'd think it would be in an industry full of creative people uh sometimes create creativity can be pretty like a shotgun it just kind of blasts everywhere but Andrew's always been very very focused in in what he does and so when he started a press it just seemed like the the obvious thing that he should do, because it it seems like the convergence of all his skills, his passion, his energy, it gives it a, a focus and a place to achieve maximum effect. So, and I know he's just getting started, so it's it's going to be a thrill to see what happens from here. Um, and it's pretty clear in the way Andrew that you you run things, like the the gift for marketing, I think. And Brennan, you and I have discussed this. Before how rare that is for a for an indie press to really have that handled, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, um, and Nightfire came up in conversation. The publisher, Nightfire. The first thing out of this guy's mouth was, "Man, their marketing is good." Like that's the association you have with the press and awareness that you have of them is because of not just their books, but them making you aware of their books. And so the fact that Andrew's doing that so well for his writers is, is awesome. Um, So to Brennan's book, something I wanted to mention um, you talked about how quickly you wrote it. So I have, I I guess it's a two part question. Um, Sometimes when a writer says that, It can make you a little nervous, right? Like I wrote this thing really quick and you're like, oh, okay, we'll see. But in your case, having read the book, that sense of um, energy and momentum really comes across in the story. Like it was written fairly quick and it moves quick and that's a benefit to the book. And that's just something I wanted to point out because you mentioned how fast you wrote it that I can imagine you trying to keep up with the story as it's unfolding, which is cool. You know, it gives you that kind of runaway horse vibe. Uh, The question, I guess I wanted to ask was, why a Western? So your first book is, to oversimplify it, more or less a haunted house novel, a unique one. Um, So what made you pursue a Western? Is that something that you've always loved or did you just want to try it out?
3: I would definitely I think there's a little bit of both, but it's probably more in the direction of I just kind of wanted to try it out. You know, I mentioned that I'm a big fan of the Death's Head Press books, and Andrew was kind enough to throw out there that um, this this book started out with the idea of leaning into the splatter stuff. You know, the first chapter, it doesn't shy away from it. And there's definitely some parts in there that are more gruesome than, you know, if if somebody's only read Slattery Falls it's not that gruesome a book. It's it's it's, it's you know no, more. I don't know if I'd go with psychological, but it's it's creepier than anything else. Um, this one definitely doesn't shy away from you know throwing the red stuff around, but I also don't think that it really, as far as the amount of depravity and gore and the other things that are supposed to go into a splatter punk book, I don't think it necessarily holds up to the other books in that, that, that series. Mm-hmm. So this was essentially, I would say me kind of being inspired by those, but still wanting to put my own spin on them. Um, and you know, as far as wanting, you know, always having wanted to work in the genre uh, tombstone is one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. which is, it's such a damn good movie. Um, and I don't know that I was actively thinking of that when I said, what am I going to write next? But when I started to write a Western, I had that one in mind and it's the larger than life characters. Um, I think that really stick out to me, uh, the main character in this book, Rory, he was a lot of fun to write. Um, I did kind of go back and forth. I, I rewrote the first chapter several times. I, uh, started it in first person. Then I tried it in third and then I rewrote it in first and it first was the right place to be because a lot of that kind of larger than life tall tale aspect. I think that you, I think you get that less from his dialogue and more with his kind of internal reactions to things and the way he perceives things. Whereas there are definitely characters that fit that model. Noose being one of them. Um, When I wrote the the main antagonist in the, the Slattery Falls books, um, Patrick was the first person who read that book. And he really like just laid me out with all these phenomenal notes. And one thing he kept coming back to is stop turning this, big motherfucker into a bond villain and having him talk too much (laughs) like he's creepier if he just shuts up every once in a while and you leave something to the audience's imagination and i I wouldn't say he was a completely different character but that those notes definitely helped me trim him down a little bit and in in a way i wanted to go the complete opposite direction with noose
4: you know noose speaking of him being a larger than life character while reading the book, he made me think of Jaws, of the shark that we we only see because of the the dock moving or the barrels that are floating along the surface. You know, there's these constant suggestions of the shark. but the sh- So the shark is constantly present, but not necessarily seen. And I felt that way with Noose. That's a good way to put it.
3: Well, and I think you and I have talked about this, but one of the reasons that I kind of went back and forth at the beginning on should this be in first person or should this be in third? I really only wanted to move it to third person so that I could check in on noose and see what he was Mm -hmm. doing. And in the long run, you know, I, I think it works better for us having no idea, you know, what he's up to, um, where he is, what he's up to, what he's thinking, nothing. We just, we kind of have to take, uh, Rory's best guess for it and fill in the rest ourselves. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I, I don't want to be so arrogant as to say, and that's why it works. But when reading it, it for back you, because that's
4: why it works. OK, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, going through the editing process and doing the formatting and this, that and the other thing. You know, I read this book 10 times in the last couple of months. And for me as a reader detached from my own work, I I think that that worked.
0: Yeah,
3: definitely.
2: Eric, Eric jump in. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah. So just from like the splatter, splatter. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I've had a migraine for three days, so I may (laughs) slur a little bit. Um, Okay. The splatter Western focus. Um, I actually was looking through my closet before we jumped on recording and I was like, okay, what is the bloodiest shirt I have? And I keep like ducking, but it's literally just like dead Samurais all over it. I know it's not Western, but (laughs) had to wear something super bloody for you. Um, I really, really loved because I've read some of those splattered westerns um, from Death's Head Press before, and I obviously love those. But yours brings a lot of heart to the story that I really appreciate. So I think that's also just a really good thing to point out to potential readers. Um, you fall in love with your characters very quickly, even if they're bad guys. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that, that was important to me. I mean, it's it, it seems so cliche and almost unnecessary to say like, oh, I can't. Root for characters if I don't care about them, or you know, in in the vein of horror, I can't I can't make bad things happen to them if I don't believe the audience will actually care about the stakes and the repercussions. But you know, people say it all the time because it's absolutely true. Um, When somebody shows up in a book and they're one dimensional, and then their head gets pulled off their shoulders, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, I'm not invested in it, so I'm not. It's not going to elicit an emotional reaction. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I wish I was the type of person who could sit down and outline a book and know everything that was going to happen. But I, I have to let the characters, I have to get to know who the characters are and then they figure out what the plot is because otherwise you end up putting, you know, a square peg in a round hole, trying to make, you know, trying to lead a character to the plot device you have come up with and then learning through writing them that they wouldn't make those decisions.
2: So I'm really curious with moose, and then jump into Slattery falls with weeks. Who, if you had to pick, who would you say is more fun to write
3: for? Oh man. Um, I'm going to cheat and say that they're just so different that I don't know. It's hard, man. Cause I I've written, you know, I, I I've just finished the first draft of the third Slattery falls book. Uh, I'm, I'm plowing through dense ass revisions right now. So I've written so much more of weeks that that seems like the obvious answer just because I, I've gotten to spend so much more time with them, but I mean, if we're going strictly off fun, it's got to be noose.
2: Someone jump in because I don't want to hog all the air. Andrew.
1: Okay, there we go. Sorry. Um, you know what? Let's just tell them where we signed up for. Did two, two more new, uh, two more books in the world of Buzzard's Edge, right?
2: So, all right, hell yeah. um, Let's
1: just tell them. <laughs> yeah let's just tell them like we're gonna do a social post and announce it yeah but like this is your audience let's tell them yeah, we, we signed on to do t-
3: two more right so i think a collection and another novella right novella right. novel whatever it ends up being whatever it ends up being way. i can't 800
4: make page more. epic
3: yes yeah hey. yeah that'll definitely flow with the you. thirty-two thousand word original <laughs>
4: do it i just
3: signed
1: on to do a really
2: really 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 thick book so yeah i'm not afraid i'll take it on that is awesome so i've noticed that a lot of chat a big reason why i've noticed indie presses close is because of budgeting and i've seen um, and, and with this show, you y'all probably know we don't have to break down who 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 who's who or whatever because the general audience probably doesn't know and doesn't give a shit, and that's that's perfect. But I have noticed uh indie presses throughout the years when they take on more like a lot in the first year, especially, it's a red flag for me. So with you, Andrew, that's not what I'm implying, but have you have you noticed? Have you taken mental notes on what other indie presses have done? What works? What doesn't work? What What are your aspirations? And if you are comfortable saying this, do you have essentially a five year plan that you're comfortable talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, first of all, more marginalized authors need to come knocking on my door please. <laughs> uh, I love you all, but I would love to see more women in, order, uh, in my inbox. So, you know, please, if you've got a novel or something in the works, that you think fits with my patient, I want to see it. So um, that's the first thing I want to work more with people with underrepresented. So
2: um,
1: the next thing is, uh, getting some of these books out, we <laughs> have a few, and you know, I, I would like to get some more of these these works out, but uh, we've got a lot of plans. I want to spread things out more. Um, the pirate series we have in the works right now, that one's gonna come hard and fast. <laughs> these authors were in a group chat, we started talking about it, and it just really exploded, like all of a sudden. <laughs> A bunch of these authors that I talk to every day, just were like, "I've got a book, <laughs> and that like let's talk about it." So, you know, that's that's kind of what happened with that one. So, there's going to be a few books coming out um, very very quickly in 2023 um, with the pirate series. But outside of that, you know, I'm going to be focusing more on longer works, so in the novel length, and the goal is to spread things out quite a bit more. I want to spend more time on a book than I have been right so um like even, even with Brennan, like it felt like just a, such a rush to you know get him a proof and and even that I don't think it was time you know the publication ended up coming up first and this is not fair I don't want that you know I want to be able to get a book out to book lists in my journal for them to have an opportunity to re- review it ahead of time I want um you know to potentially get a book in like one of the major book clubs, you know, ahead of time, get get a little bit of traction before the book is even released. I want more of that for the authors. Um, so that, that's kind of the goal right now, of course. Um, my biggest goal in the next five years is to get um, get on board with a major full or or distrib- distribution company like Consortium Books or, or IPG. Um, so I, I am working very hard to do that at the moment. But, um, you know, other than that, you yeah, know, we're, we're working on YouTube, uh, the YouTube channel to get a lot more content out there. Um, and the goal there is to basically, you know, support the authors to getting some of their free works out to promote their paid works. Um, my newsletter, that's grown so, so, so much. And I've, I'm not doing enough with it. So I've, I've enlisted help to Uh, offer more value to subscribers and keep the momentum going with that. So uh, if we want to talk about a five-year plan, yeah, it's to sell the living hell out of four (laughs) and uh, underrepresented voices.
2: That's awesome. I mean, we, I talked about focusing on what i one thing I thought that any presses did wrong, but then on the other hand, you got, um, Charles R. A's press where, oh, my God, it's how the hell is that slipping in my mind? Brian? Hard case. Hard case crime books. Uh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're I don't know if they still are, but at one point they were indie and they were super niche. And but they got, you know, they got Stephen King three times and they got Lawrence Block and uh, quite a few others. But I guess my point is, is I could see you, you walking that path, uh, talking to enough publishers now. You have all the same ingredients as them. And this isn't me just kissing your ass, but for anyone that's interested, that's why I bring it up, uh, which basically is work well with others. Plenty of big names have said, I don't work with people that are basically prima donnas. You know, you work well with people, you know how to promote, and you're really good with social media and uh, find ways to make work. So best of luck. And I can't wait to read all, all the books that come up through you, man. Um yeah, so let's focus back on news specifically. Um, I would like to hear, just so it's not like a shotgun blast, Erica, I'll, I'll focus on you first. What, What is, and try to avoid spoilers if you can, but what would you say your favorite thing is and uh, what you want to kind of throw out there to potential readers about this book?
0: Ooh, the first thing that came to mind was kind of similar to what Tyler was saying, was just that the the big baddie, if you will, isn't super present. I find that extremely creepy. I think of like, and sorry, this is probably pretty typical, but like The Walking Dead, they've got a slew of bad guys, but like the governor wasn't always there. But when he was on screen, you would hear this very creepy music that would start playing and you knew he was coming. So when I was reading news I kind of felt like I was ready for him to show up at any time. And like Tyler was saying, like he, he just wasn't. So it was kind of like walking through a fun house and being like, Oh God, is he going to be behind the corner or what's going on? So that really amped up the sense of dread throughout the book. Cause you never really knew what was coming around the corner. I really, really liked that.
2: Uh, I'll do Tyler myself and then I'll end with the publisher. Um, so Tyler, go ahead, sir. Favorite aspect of uh, news?
4: <laughs> Just one?
2: You can say whatever the fuck you want. You're like five times smarter than me. So go ahead, buddy.
4: Yeah. Favorite thing about news? It's not what I expected from a Western in the best way. It's what you, it's everything that you want from a good Western, but it's not what I expected. And maybe that's because uh, we've been really lucky to have uh, the splatter punk Westerns or the splatter Westerns. And you've got the weird Westerns like, you know, Tim Meyers, uh, Tim Meyers, um, what is it? Terradon Canyon. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, you've got so many, you know, Lansdale's done a lot of fun stuff with Westerns. There's so much that you can do. So uh, it's an interesting time when you open up a book by a writer that you know, writes dark fiction and horror stories to go, okay, what is this going to, is it going to be a splatter? Is it going to be weird? Is it it going to be just a straight Western? Who knows? And you somehow manage to take all these elements that exist and and make something really unique about it. And that's, that's what I would tell a potential reader. Like this is, it's, it's unique in that sense. It's not a splatter, but it's not, not a splatter, (laughs) You know, it's uh I gotcha. <laughs> it's it's and it's weird too, because I was um I was telling something to somebody about it the other day and I described it as an adventure. And but then, you know, an adventure you think of like you're out on a quest, you're going places, but that's not necessarily the case, and yet it feels like an adventure. So it's a really unexpected I think a fun house is a good way to put it. It just there's a lot of elements at play. Um, Erica, you mentioned the the heart of it, and I think that's worth highlighting as well and that's something that i would that really um i loved i loved the i guess the only way i'll put it is the the found family aspect of it the the people that you choose to love and protect sometimes become more family than family and uh that that was a really cool element of the book and you know we're talking about noose this big larger than life character and not once have we touched on all the other crazy villains in that book (laughs) so even though we're talking about how noose is not always present but there's always some danger present always some really unique assassin and i loved them all i mean i i I don't want to give too much away but you know what i mean mad yeah and that
3: was that was fun as hell um one thing i want to touch on before i throw it to patrick is you know you mentioned you, tiptoeing around spoilers the found family element and that is, that is something that is a part of it that i i w- i could talk about for an hour um mm. but i also i i also would love to see readers discover that for themselves rather than yeah. know what's going to happen going in so um so i do appreciate you tiptoeing around but i also appreciate you pointing that out as uh a part you particularly enjoyed of the story because yeah that's that's the beating heart right there
4: for sure absolutely it's the center of the book i think Mm.
2: um my favorite is definitely when you find alice and i'm not sure if you chose that for i always think of alice in wonderland and uh Yeah, you can make a case that shit's trippy Um, with the it's close to reality, yet it's kind of like at times so surreal that you're like, I I don't know if I'm dreaming, if I'm fucked up right now or whatnot. But with Alice, that's what like Brennan and I love Jordan Harper's She Rides Shotgun, but that book doesn't work the same if you didn't have the daughter in it and with this with alice when you have that element it just it really brings home the family aspect but um tell me if this is spoiling i'll cut it out but the fact that she cannot speak uh that just focuses on a brand new element um because i don't really think that we focus on people with any kind of um handicap and uh why not people have had misfortunes and birth defects since the dawn of time but we don't really focus on that and that's i think important um andrew go ahead buddy
1: yeah you know you're 100 percent right first of all you know we do not talk about people as people are right you know um, myself and Mark and uh, Alan Guns, we've talked about this at length in interviews and things. But, you know, care, diversity and characters and in- inclusion, like, these are important things. People, they want to, like, like, me, I'm legally blind, right? I'm a person with a disability. I would love to hear more stories with people like me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Something that I can relate to a little bit. It helps me, um, you know get more involved in it or have a reading experience, right? And I think that's the most important thing is providing the best experience we can for readers. I think Brennan did a great job of that. I think, you know, um, there, there was lots of different characters. There was a good diversity that uh, people are e- easily able to relate to. And, and it is showing with people what they're saying about the book. They are saying, I think you just couldn't put it down. I couldn't let it go because it was such an immersive Right, like, and I think uh, going forward in these these next stories, like, if you read Come and Take My Hand, right, I think it's very much the same there as well. So, um, I I expect a, pretty much the same uh, going forward from Brandon, and I think uh, people are just gonna love
3: everything that comes from it. No pressure, so, yeah, no, <laughs> oh,
1: book then, better have, capture all of, of this
3: shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Come and take my hand. That's a good, uh, that's a good point. Brendan. why don't you tell us about that, buddy?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a story. I I guess we could call it a prequel to noose basically, um, toward the end of, of noose. I kind of found myself very interested in a question that I set up and didn't answer. So, um, I wound up, um, actually it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to, touch on a couple of the stories. Andrew mentioned that one of the books we're gonna be doing is a collection of stories that are set in and around Buzzard's Edge. Um, So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how that kind of, that idea came about. Um, Because in addition to uh, taking on Noose, Silver Shamrock also had uh, an anthology, one of their big midnight anthologies in the works uh, called Midnight uh, in the Stagecoach. And I started writing Come and Take My Hand um, pretty relatively soon after I finished Noose to just kind of expand on some characters and almost kind of find the answer to to a question that was hanging out in the back of my head. Now, the the simple synopsis is this follows uh, little 11-year-old George Holcomb before he becomes Noose, uh, and he has a mysterious visitor at his window every night um and he is petrified of her she he he kind of builds her up in his imagination uh as this monster and then he starts to get to know her, and there's a little bit of, as its story unfolds, we kind of find out that what's outside the window is a whole lot less scary than what's happening, you know, under the roof of his own house. Uh, and it's, you know, it's got supernatural elements, it's it's absolutely a coming-of-age story, and I, tr- I worked really hard to try and make it a story that you could read and then never touch Noose, or vice versa. You can read Noose... And I think "Come and Take My Hand" expands on it, but I don't think that there are elements in there that make that, that the book needs in order to click on all cylinders. So I wrote part of that story for Stagecoach, and then you know Silver Shamrock was kind of building it up as a splatterpunk anthology, and I kind of put it aside. I said it's not really it's it's not really going that direction. So I wrote uh, a second story that. Is absolutely Splatterpunk uh and is going to be in one of the anthologies that uh kind of arose from the ashes of Silver Shamrock, and that would be Death Said Presses, uh Hot Iron and Cold Blood, edited by some schlub. Um
2: that's fucked up, man.
3: <laughs> I know it's so terrible. Edited by Patrick R. McDonough and out uh later in 2022. Uh that's that that, story is called holes and it also again it kind of has this tangential connection to the original to, to to noose but you can absolutely read them apart from each other and i think they they both still work without the other one but you know just kind of builds that mythos and 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 adds on um and then when uh another one another anthology sprung from those ashes You know, I was thinking that, uh, I would like to try and get in this one too. What the hell? Maybe I'm a Western author now. Um, and I wrote this, uh, I'm a huge, huge Arthur Conan Doyle fan. I love Sherlock Holmes. Um, which is why I allow Tyler to dress like he does when he comes on our show, but he allows (laughs) it. He allows it. Um, but I, I, I'm like, I kind of wanted to write this, uh, Sherlock Holmesian detective kind of transplanted into the West. And I I wrote this story that I really, really love in five days, submitted it. And I said, well, you know, if if this gets accepted, then that's great because this is a good paying market. Uh, And if it doesn't, I've got my free story for uh, Darklit Press to, to, to use to promote the book. And it did get accepted. So then I had to write another one to put out for Andrew. Uh, and I that was when I revisited Come and Take My Hand. I probably had about 2,000 words into that. I added another 5,500, 6,000 words. Uh, it borders on novelette territory if you believe such things are real. Um, and I have one more story that I I wrote just for kicks uh, that i'm I'm hoping to put in that as well, so at the moment that uh collection which we're hoping to put out uh sometime in early ish twenty twenty four uh has three stories uh and i've got i've already got a few ideas kicking around for some other little dark corners that i wanna explore there.
2: i wanna hear. Anything going on in your head right now, Andrew? Because your enthusiasm for your writers is, uh, it, it's got this Josh Mallerman effect where it's contagious in the best of ways. So, something I like to do is
1: I like to have options available to authors with, with very little pressure. So, don't jump. I gave Brennan the option to write something for me that I can give away for free to try to find an audience to ahead of time, or even just give some uh, longevity to the release, right? So something that I like to do is I use the uh, free story, you know, that the author gives me. And I I ask them to try to write it surrounding the the paid works that we're, we're working on. Right. But essentially what we're doing is we're, we're offering something up for free to that will hopefully entice them to want to buy a book right and we'll get that out uh, various means and uh, i am actually expanding on this because the results have been just so great um i i'm excited to bring the what i call the little free library of horrors to my way when i decide to finish it sometime in this decade but um it's just a place for you to go to try uh you know, try, try something from our writers, right? So, uh, Laura Giselson, she's, or uh, they've got uh, something out right now with me called Toothworms. It's actually been narrated as well by uh, Nick Bouchard for YouTube, which I, I can't have amazing things about Nick. He's available on ACX. So if you guys are looking for a narrator, make sure you hit him up. And if you want to check out with his work, check it out on the dark Wits, uh, YouTube page. Um, so anyways, we're expanding on this freebie offer, so if there's any readers out there that want to try out, uh, you know, some of the various authors that I'm representing, you can just click the link in any of my bios on any of my social pages, there's lips everywhere, and uh, just go to the little free library of horrors and grab it. So I think we've got six works in there right now, I've brought it up to Tyler, no pressure, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Ross, Ross Jeffrey, he's working on something for me for his publication with us from No Later This Year, or, in, or I guess early 20s, right? And, uh, yeah, some some other people I'm not going to mention here, but very soon we're going to announce three authors I signed that are have some really like the books are very, very,
3: very exciting. So
2: that is awesome. Um yeah, you keep mentioning your YouTube page. I was gonna wait until the end and I will ask again. But uh what's your what, what do people look up to get on that uh, YouTube page?
1: Or oh, like are you asking if, if people can sub- submit or or if uh, just how where to find it?
2: Just, yeah, just to and- just for like subscribing to your page. Cause I'm definitely doing oh, that. Yeah, but. Sure.
1: Well, it's probably best just to search uh, at dark press right now. I'm still, you know what? That's not true. I think it's dark lip horror because <laughs> dark with preps was gone already. I don't know mm. how. I <sighs> oh. <laughs> like, sell it
4: back to you so. for hundred bucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably some guy out there. So I was working on something, you know, <laughs> anyways. So, I haven't gotten that 1,000 subscriber mark. 1, Maybe the folks listening could, uh, you know, help a guy. If I get to that 1,000, I can have dark woods, whatever I want. So um, easier to find me. Oh, anyway, that's
2: that's how you get your URL, I actually, did you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got
1: to have 1,000
2: subscribers,
1: and I think that's shy. Trying. I'm like at 800 or something. So I would like
3: to get that soon. <laughs>
2: you beat you beat us man I'm just not good at advertising on YouTube apparently but um <laughs> so what the, the I forgot the title I should have not when I'm asking this question but there is this one for Dark lit that it had just it, it looked like something out of an 80s body horror film um the cover looked like this big creature that kind of looked like it had the skin of pink gum does that?
1: Oh, book? that's Laura's that's book. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us about Two that. Man. Um, Lore is the best. Okay. Uh, they are connoisseurs of body horror. So, um, if you're looking for a little bit of something gross, um, there, they have a book on, in the little free library of Horrors. It's also narrated, um, I mean, to you, to hell, maybe tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is narrated. It's ready to go. And actually, to be honest, you could probably get the narration at the Little Free Library of Wars, too, if you want that. Anyways, it's ready to go. Uh, if you want to read something that is going to gross you out and it just gives you the best sense of Laura's writing. For their upcoming book *Inside Out*, which is coming out uh, October 10th, and it is it is awesome. People are going to really really love that one. <laughs> so it's a little, uh, little gross, little splatter, little little bit of everything, but very very uh,
2: a lot of body horror. *Inside Out* by Laura Gis- Gisleson is how do you say it, Okay. Gislesson. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, that they're gonna hate me, but is that wrong? That, that's <laughs> so, one of those covers where I'm like, I, I I don't I don't know if it's good or bad content in there. Like I don't know if it'll hit me, but I want to buy it anyways because that is fucking awesome. Um, some covers just do that. Do you stick to one graphic? Di- like, there's some publishers that will just have one or a few uh artists in their uh bullpen who do you have, are you still doing a trial and error with who does cover art for you?
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, initially it was, I tried, tried out Donnie and I love Donnie Goodman. He has some incredible covers. I think everybody really likes Donnie's cover work. But, Do, Don, Don, um,
2: no, uh, no, sorry. Donnie Goodman. Oh, I'm sorry. Donnie Goodman. Yeah. He yeah. does some yeah, excellent Donnie covers Goodman. for sure. So he did, he did noose. Right. And, uh,
1: I love it. Um, I have been working very, very closely with Christina at Trueborn Design, that's NW reader on any social media. She is the best. If you're gonna hire somebody, I just cannot, I cannot say enough good things. If you you are coming on to work with me right now, you are gonna get pressure to work with Christina and there's so many reasons, okay? So first off, she does everything. Okay, there's a lot of cover designers that just aren't adept in uh, more than the design. Okay, so first of all, her designs are incredible, and I always like them. She is she adapts with different trends, which is great too. So her and I are always working on something new and exciting. Um, but what's best is I can go to her. I could tell her what my plan is and she's gonna do it. So, uh, with Tyler's upcoming book, and well, actually, that's not true. With all of our, my upcoming novels going forward, we are investing a little bit more in the hardcovers. So, we're gonna be having full matte dust jackets on our, on our covers. So, she is designing those. And it's like, if I need an audiobook cover, if I, if she knows what I need, and when I need it for every platform that I need it for. So there's no guesswork with everybody else that I work with as, as great as a lot of the, the artists are. I just can't stress enough how important it is to know that I'm going to need something and <laughs> I'm going to get it with Christina. Like she's a, like anything going forward, she knows I need an audio book. She knows the size, the paper, and what I've got going on, what, you know, what platform I'm going to need it for. Because every single platform, whether there's Ingram or Amazon, they always need something different uh acx same thing so if i getting a cover design i'd like to like it to all be with with one person and often what i'm doing is taking bits and pieces and giving it back to christina anyways to then get the finished product right so um that wasn't the case with Lore's uh Lore's book um the uh eduardo valdivia i, I hope that this is that's for sorry if it's not he is this incredible artist as well he did full route. He just, he just did a spectacular job. Um, something that was really cool that he does is he actually has a Twitch channel so you can go look at him up and, and any designs that he does he always uh, streams it live. What was so cool is um, joining in on the chat while he was making the book cover for Lord, it was incredible. There was maybe like 30 people in this chat and they were so invested in Laura's story without having any idea what was going on with it. Just watching the cover design. And those 30 people, are, they're going to buy the book. It was, it was a really cool experience. So um, be on the lookout for things like that that artists might do. And uh, get involved if you can. I, I can't say how great that was. It was, it was really fun. So, yeah, and uh, it is Christina
2: is the best. I just want to get her name right. It says Christina. What? Uh, i You know, just uh, just. A, I'm not sure if she wants to say it on. Oh, well, um, what's, media our, or whatever, yeah, what's her? what's her? What's her tag? Her handle
1: is. Uh, her handle is MW Reader, and is in Nancy oh. W is in World Creator, Very Cool. And uh, yeah, yeah. The company I think is called Trueborn Design. So Trueborn, just T R U Born.
2: That's but, awesome. Uh, she's That's on social media. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want anyone's surname given away if uh, they don't want it. I just, uh, I've, I've, I'm aware of her, her uh, graphic design or her covers from the past. Are, they're good. She does a good job, man. Um, Brennan, I am going to read you uh, a comment. Yeah, it's not a question. A comment from Janine Pipe and Shelly Campbell um, said, second this. But it is from Janine that says, not a question. Just tell him. I think he is amazing. I'm so proud of everything he has achieved so far because there's so much more to come. So anything that you want to retort to that, sir?
3: Oh, I love Janine to death. You know, I've loved Janine to death since before she decided that she was going to blow up and do and be great at everything. Uh, (laughs) So I'm honored that she, you know, still takes the time to to check in on uh, us little people. (laughs)
2: And then uh, we actually got a question from um, Lee Murray. Uh, Interesting that in news, sound plays a big part in hold up one sec. Uh, Okay. Sorry about that. Interesting that in news, sound plays a big part in maintaining the suspense. Is there a particular sound tune which Brent LaFaro associates with fear? And then one more question and also how many bodies is the appropriate number that one should have buried in the backyard
3: uh let's let's do the body one first cuz that's short uh the answer is 3 um any more than 3 and you run the risk of you know attracting unwanted wildlife and legal attention uh 3 um wait a minute wait, i can't
2: get past the fact that tyler is vigorously nodding his head like yep
3: done it know it this is a discussion we've had yeah okay he's, he's absolutely yeah right. no it's true you book. don't get the uh two you 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 have to shell out for fertilizer and that stuff is expensive any more than three and it draws unwanted attention so three is the number i will trust you on that as so. de la soul said three <laughs> is the magic number
2: do you want me to okay. repeat the first question
3: no, no, I I've, I think I've got the gist of it. If I miss anything, you can hit me. Actually, uh, I want to just take a second to say thank you to Lee. She is so cool. And I was, you know, she she was somebody I reached out to for a blurb, just kind of fingers crossed, but fully expecting a, gee, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to help you, but I'm just swamped right now. Um and I, she, I think she wrote back an email within 10 minutes saying, you know, oh, I'm about to go to bed and I need something to read. Send it right now. And sure enough, you know, she read it in a couple of days and had me a blurb, you know, middle of the of the next week. Um, and when it, when we get to credit, you know, Lee Murray, USA Today, best selling author, like that's a fun one to print in your book. Um And she just, she said the kindest things. And I mean, even to the extent where she's continuing to talk about it online, she did a live stream with uh, Tim Meyer, Ken Kane, uh, Philip Fricasse, and Sina Palayo about an anthology they're all doing together. And she's talking about the book, Um, which I thought that was just so cool. But uh, as far as what sounds I associate with fear, was that the question? Sounds
2: and tunes.
3: You don't know what the question is, do you?
2: Oh, I thought you wanted me to just fill in those few words. So uh, interesting that a new sound plays a big part in maintaining the suspense. Is there a particular sound or tune which Brandon LaFarre associates with fair? I didn't know.
3: I don't know. I don't know about tune. I mean, that's 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 going into soundtrack. And uh, I I know a lot of writers like to put on like horror movie soundtracks when they write. I, I need quiet. I can't. I can't focus if I have music, you know, lyrical or instrumental. But as far as sounds, um, call it a cop-out answer, but it's just got to be something out of the ordinary. That's what I look to put in there. Um, w- a- an example I can think of from the book is there. there's a point where uh, Rory is in a house that is abandoned. And he's kind of ha- he's kind of daydreaming, kind of reminiscing, remembering, you know, things from his childhood. And you know, he's in his imagination. He's got you know characters walking down the stairs. He's got memories walking down the stairs. And then he kind of snaps out of it and realizes that the footsteps he's hearing uh, aren't from his daydream. And I think that's kind of a pinnacle example of a creepy sound. Footsteps on their own, not creepy. Footsteps coming from above your head in a house that you know to be abandoned. Uh, it's it's all about context, really. Um, horror is so based on violated trust. I mean, so much of what scares us is things that are just slightly off kilter, things that shouldn't be. So when I, when I'm thinking, you know, sound in, you know, creepy sounds... Yeah, I mean, you can go with the the stereotypical, like, you know, creaky door or wind blowing through the branches or whatever it is. But I think the, the, the biggest tension builders are things that are either blatantly out of place, again, like footsteps in, a, in an abandoned house, or things that are just enough to kind of just off enough to make you stop and question, you know, should that be happening? Um, but I, I think you can very effectively use sound in writing, just kind of going down that path. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Can I uh, on
1: something real quick too. I was just gonna like jump in talking about sound and news. I'd like to throw out that news is being narrated now for audiobooks. So ooh. keep on the lookout for that by awesome. Rain Corbin, who is going to do an amazing job. So he's I
2: think he's like halfway through already. So, <laughs> anyways, very cool. So, um, that's interesting too because audiobooks, again, I hate to sound like I'm just being negative here, but like it uh, doesn't seem like quite a few indie presses are tapping into that. And just wondering, man, is that like, in your opinion, Andrew, is that um, maybe a financial thing or is that just maybe too much? Yeah. Okay.
1: So I've got some feelings about this. Well, when it comes to audiobooks, first of all, any means necessary, let's do them. Why, why shouldn't you? It, in, my, in my situation, I don't have the funds. I don't have the funds up front to uh, pay for full production. So I actually go on a royalty split with, with narrators. So they take a chance on me. And we do our best to promote the living hell out of it. Uh, Thomas Gloom uh, and I started out doing that. He is incredible and he does a great job of promoting too. So it's it's not money, but it is about um, providing another way of getting that, that story in other readers' hands, readers that you might not normally reach, right? So you're going to build up some extra reviews, you're going to find people who are able to listen to audiobook but can't get the book, right, or get to reading it physically. So. Why shouldn't we offer that to readers, right? We want to accommodate them as much as possible. You know, we want to deliver that story and it shouldn't always be about money. It would be great to be able to afford full production. It's just not for a lot of people, but there is a lot of narrators, a lot of hungry narrators who are willing to work off of royalty split. And if you can find that, um, that fits the story, you should 100% do that for your
2: readers. Sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I've read a total of zero physical books this year. And uh, I mean, Brennan has been my shoulder for my friends to talk to about this, but I, I, it might be ADHD and something else. I'm still figuring stuff out right now, but I don't know what it is. I'm excited, but I've get I've been getting through audiobooks and text-to-speech for digital books, and I can absorb it that way. So um, I love buying them. I love collecting them. I've been able to read plenty in the past, but, uh, so for, as an example, as to a type of reader that you may not think that that, cause like I can, I, my vision's fine, but, um, it's a mental thing. Um, so I think that's great. I think that's awesome. And Brennan for you, this will be your first audio book, right?
3: It will be. Um, and I, I totally agree with Andrew. It's, you know, it's it, it taps into a market that you might not get to otherwise. You know, Patrick, you're a good example of it. Um, if you want to read a book for pleasure and it's not available in audiobook, there's a fair chance that you're pushing that off uh, to the the bottom of your pile and maybe not getting to it at all. Um, it's if, if there is a feasible way to do them, which again, it sounds like Andrew has kind of found that, um, I think it's it's great. It's just one more opportunity to get books in hands that they might otherwise miss. Sure.
2: Um we'll get to the part where we start asking the outro questions now, which is currently reading. Uh Brennan, I'll save you for last. I would like to start with Andrew. What are you currently reading, sir?
1: Ah. Uh. I actually have to start something new tonight. <laughs> I just finished a manuscript by, I will not name, but it was rad as hell, and I'm excited to publish it. But other than that, um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be reading tonight. Actually, I've kind of been off and on, don't judge me. I've been off and on reading uh, Stephen King. I've been listening to it on audiobook and uh, while well in that work so I've been off and on with that I've been off and on the other book as well for Fear by uh, Ronald Kelly which Yay. I'm loving that as well yeah. so so loving that uh, anything by Ronald Kelly okay. come on he's yeah. the best <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's the best so um, you know I do have another manuscript I should probably get to
2: tonight <laughs> I don't
1: know. I kind of get burnt out. I got to read for pleasure
2: too. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get that, man. Um, Tyler, what are you reading right now, man?
4: I am reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King. How is it? In your opinion, how is it? I haven't. Oh, read I'm, it. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. It's, uh, it's got such a good heart. Hmm. He's just such an incredible storyteller. Hmm it just really sucks you in the characters. You just, you're there. It's a book you kind of live in and it's a blast. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm only about a quarter of the way through right now, but I'm, I'm in, I'm invested. And I've also been um, rereading Philip Ficosti's book, boys in the Valley. Nice. It was one of those books that I read um, in an advanced copy. So gosh, it's been about a year and, Often with books, I read them once and I experience them, and then I have to revisit them to, to to pop the hood and figure out what the writer's doing, why it worked so well, you know, why it got under my skin, what what was suspenseful, character development, all that stuff. So I've been uh, trying to reverse engineer that one a little bit.
2: That's interesting.
4: Erica.
0: I am between books again. Um, I just finished The Deep by Alma Katsu. And mm-hmm. I have no idea if I just pronounced her last name right. Um, you did. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that book was incredible. I am like terrified of the whole event of the Titanic sinking to begin with. So I went into that one kind of dreading it a little bit because I was like, I don't know. I can barely watch that movie. I know <laughs> it's based on a true thing. I just I can't deal with it very well.
2: You know how it ends. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was like the good part. I at least knew something that was coming in the book, but she's got so many twists and turns in there. I was, I was hooked and it's a pretty beefy book. I think it was like 400 and something pages and I read it in a day. So <laughs> that was great. Um, Holy and then shit. I in, yeah. I was seriously like stuck in the story. I needed to know what happened yes. and it's a dual timeline too. And it's one of those situations where I couldn't choose if you like, Forced me to which timeline I liked better because they were both incredible, and I just wanted to know what was happening. um But I'm going to dive into Red Widow next, also by Alma. So excited for that!
2: I just finished uh, cool. Forever. Go ahead, Andrew.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say I got to really admire like
1: the readers who can who can take on so much, read so quickly, like yeah. and, and enjoy the book so much. But like you and uh, you know, Steve Stred and Janelle Jansen, like is it, 400 books a year or something to read. It's, it's incredible. So thank you. I'm glad you do it. Glad you do what you do
2: and enjoy it. So something that you said to Ron. Thank you for being you. That was uh, really beautiful. it's really sweet because that's uh, yeah, coming from you. So, um, yeah. Brennan.
3: I am oh. also reading Fairy Tale. I, I would imagine I'm probably not too far away from where Tyler is. And, uh, you know, he said it has a good heart. I would definitely echo that. Uh, it's, you dive in and it's very grounded, but it's also got elements of two of my absolute favorite, you know, pieces of work of his. It's that there's a little dark tower about it, uh, but there's also a hint of 112263 about it um and you know they're not like glaring you know reprints or anything like that but some of the same some of the some familiar notions in there that people who really you know love those books and have read them three four five times uh, are going to pick up on it's it's really good you know i I I like every King book. I really do. Even, even Billy Summers that got slammed last year by a lot of people. I had, I had a good time with that. I thought it was good. Um, This is the most I've enjoyed one of his new books in a while though. Uh, I am also reading hell hath no fury, like a woman haunted by RJ Joseph, who is a phenomenal writer in general, but in this case, short fiction writer. Um, Every single one of the stories, and they're, they're all relatively short. You know, they span from like four pages to like fifteen tops. Um, they, it just feels like every single one of them. Its purpose is to just like scratch the skin off of you. They're brutal. They're mm-hmm. they're. Um, she just doesn't hold back. You know, you can tell she's not sitting at that computer thinking, "Oh, gee, should I write this?" She gets it on the page and she puts it in your face. She doesn't mess around. Uh, And I also am about a quarter of the way through Grady Hendrix's new one, uh, how to sell a haunted house, which uh, I'm enjoying. I will say it has a lot more puppetry than I expected.
2: I don't know what the fuck that means because I haven't started yet, but uh, I'm interested. Um, (laughs) That's
3: a hook. (laughs) (laughs) Read it to find out what the hell I'm talking about.
2: (laughs) So I don't know if this is reverse, but this is Mercedes Yardley's darling. It's a novel that just came out um, recently, and uh, I'm almost all the way done. And basically, there's elements that remind me of Slattery Falls, where missing kids, supernatural elements. But um, I'm assuming here, but it feels like she's putting in aspects of her life. Um, we'll have her on in a couple months, so we'll, we'll dive into that later. But it's really good. She is such a sweetheart, but she can write some dark shit. And I love that about her all the more. And then I just got this in the mail today. Um The King is Dead. It's a 1994 anthology. It's got Clyde Barker, Joyce Carol Oates, Joe Lansdale. Uh, I bought it because it has the original Bubba Hotep in it. And I've never actually read it. Love the movie. So uh that is what I'm currently reading. Um Where can people follow you? Uh, Brennan, I'll start with you.
3: Uh, At Brennan LaFaro on, I believe, just about anything but TikTok. I will not do that. Um, (laughs) BrennanLafaro.com and definitely jump on the newsletter. That's BrennanLafaro.substack.com. Thank you, Andrew, for lighting a fire under my ass to do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, where can people follow you and your press?
3: Oh, uh,
1: the book dad on everything is my handle, uh, as well as Darkwood Press on everything's my handle, and you can you find me on absolutely everything. Please, yeah, subscribe to my newsletter as well. There's, uh, I I I promise if you are a subscriber or you are going to be a subscriber, there's a lot of really really good content coming. I've got some help to that going, so please subscribe. Um, good good stuff for that, um, and really quickly mercedes deadlyley um dead red is one of the best books i've ever read in my life so oh wow 100 percent read that it it is devastating but it, it actually it just really killed me i couldn't read for like two weeks it was so good
2: wow so okay. anyways i'll let her know that little dead red yeah that's awesome um where can people follow you erica
0: Oh, geez. I was not anticipating that coming back to me. Um, I'm a mix between just at Erica Robin and at Erica Robin Reads. So I guess I'll just direct people to my blog. If you're interested in following a blog, it's just ericarobinreads.com. And dot com.
4: And Tyler, where can people follow you? Uh, T Jones writer on social media and Tyler Jones dot net.
2: Excellent. Um, and you don't have a Facebook
4: Technically, I think my I think I think my wife set one up for me, but uh, you're
1: not missing out. You're not <laughs> missing
4: out.
1: Um, can I really quick, um, Erica? I love you so. Like everything you do is amazing. I appreciate everything you do. You're fantastic, and you know, on behalf of everybody, thank you so much for taking the time and effort to read and blog about our books because it is a lot of work I know that and it is very much appreciated so thank you Tyler you're awesome you know I'll sure. talk to you and you know maybe maybe I'll read fathom five tonight if you send it to my inbox <laughs> just <of> saying <laughs> <laughs> just saying all you know maybe get it to me i' I'll, I'll, I'll read it ahead of time. Um Brennan. Thank you so much for trusting me with your book, dude. I appreciate you so much. And Patrick, thanks for being a friend, dude.
2: Yeah, man. I love your work. You're a hard hard worker. Um damn, that threw me off. I was gonna say final thoughts, but Andrew clearly just said his. (laughs) Throw it. You can say (laughs) (laughs) my final thoughts are um, this is cool. I like how when we have uh a Pete and guest on definitely not the co-host that we kind of mix it up. So it's not like, um, you know, I I named the episodes after each author for the most part, and you're kind of getting something new
3: every time. Um, Brennan, what are your final thoughts, sir? I actually thought Andrew's uh, final thoughts about Erica summed up everything perfectly. We are right. Uh, (laughs) excuse me. That's rude. I'm still talking. Uh, we love you to death uh thank you for everything you do i i've said it online i've said it to you but you have been so unbelievably supportive of everything i've ever done it must be exhausting but it is extremely appreciated uh tyler i appreciate you making some time although it's not that late there so i'm only like kind of appreciative uh thank you anyway i mean maybe you like had to eat dinner early or something um Patrick, for thanks for thanks for setting this up. I I appreciate it, man. Um, coordinating schedules and all that. And Andrew, it's so cool to you know meet face to face. I've been bombarding you with messages and pestering mm-hmm. you uh, several times a day, talking every day for the last three months. So it's it's kind of cool to, uh, to 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 get to chat face to face. And you know, you said thank you for for trusting you with my book thank you for coming through man because i have just been so impressed with everything you have have done and continue to do with it um i, I have nothing but good things to say
2: mm-hmm.
3: more yeah. to come in yeah okay. yeah uh don't yeah. be afraid
1: to order at your local bookstore just
2: say, don't be afraid
1: but don't be afraid libraries i'd love that
2: that'd be amazing um
1: would
2: be it is available so go ahead it'll, it'll, it'll happen and then uh he wants to, wants to spoil more future things i don't know if we can take it anymore uh erica it's worth noting that you also were the very very first person to ever leave any kind of review for the show which uh we will never forget that's why we bother you in our group chat erica answer us just kidding. She does. She's awesome. Um, that's not funny. I'm not funny. So I need Brennan. I'm just like a fish out of water. Uh, Erica, what are your final thoughts?
0: Uh, well, thank you guys. I'm like a mix of sweating. Cause I get really nervous when people say nice things to me still. I can't take a compliment, <laughs> but I'm trying um, and kind of crying. Um, so just thank you guys for inviting me on. I'm always honored to be here. And Andrew and Tyler it was awesome meeting you guys virtually. Um, hopefully we'll meet in person at one point. Um, Tyler, I still need to read your book. I got, I didn't want to blank on the name, Almost Ruth at the top oh, of my pile. Brennan one. keeps saying I need to read it. I promise oh, I'm really. going to get to that soon. Um, and yeah, Brennan, thank you for letting me read news early. I have the stack of paper that I printed with all my tabs of passages that I absolutely loved of the first round of reading that for you. Um, and I'm just like, I can't believe you guys still trust me to listen to my (laughs) feedback on your books, but it's awesome. Um, And also thank you guys for not getting sick of me on social media when I'm constantly tagging you guys and stuff, trying to get the word out because I want more people to read this book.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Tyler and strong, man. Give us a Tyler Jones send off.
4: Final thoughts. (sighs) Buy noose, read noose. It's a fantastic book. It's uh, it's a page turner. Brennan has really written just a, a story that's an absolute blast that has a lot of heart. It has a lot of creepiness. It's just a good, good book. And once you pick it up and start reading, you won't be able to put it down. I know that sounds cliched, but that's that is what we're all searching for in a book, isn't it? That book that you just you open. And as soon as you're in, in that world and you meet these characters, you're just you're along for the ride. And it is, it's a it's a fast train ride into some dark places and it's an absolute blast. And uh, Brennan, I think you should be incredibly proud of yourself. And I hope that as many people read this book as uh, we can possibly get. So thank you all for having me. Brennan, congratulations on the book. Andrew, congratulations to you as well for putting it out. And um, yeah, it was wonderful to meet you, Erica, in person. Andrew, wonderful to see you again. And thanks for letting me come on again, you guys. It's always a blast to hang out and chat with you. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Thank um, you, man. Next ep- episode is 163 with Wiley Young. Speaking of Splatter Westerns, he started it all off with Desert Press uh, Mag- Magpie Coffin, which is
1: just it's so good.
2: Really fucking good. And he will be joined by Lucas Milliron. So I don't know what to expect with those two, but it's going to be silly. So, uh, as always, everybody, thank you for joining us. You made a choice in podcasts. You know, if you listen to a lot, you know the right order I say those words. And so have a good night. (laughs) Thanks, guys.
0: night.